Would you open your Bible to Revelation chapter 20 and 2 Peter chapter 3? When you got them, then you can stand and we'll read. I got two texts. In Revelation 20, Verse number uh, let's just I believe I'll start in verse number thirteen, just thirteen down through fifteen. And the scripture says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now over to Second Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading in verse number 7. I'm breaking into context. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved... Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. <clears throat> the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm going to stop reading there. I've really read two concepts. Somebody's heard that saying. Somebody said, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is there's a real hell, a real place, a real uh, lake of fire. The good news is, God does not want you to go there. And so I want to preach this morning on this thought. What's standing between you and hell? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I ask you to have your way here now. Lord, I know the seriousness of this subject, and you know. I pray, God, you'd help us to realize that it's not a, uh, just something to talk about, but it's something that is really real. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd take charge uh, in this service today and help us, Lord, to just get a hold of Bible truth 
And Lord, would you settle it in the hearts of the people that are here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated. I've been struggling with this subject for two weeks, trying to get it settled in my own heart. My dad was a Baptist preacher. He told me one time that you should not ever preach on hell without a tear in your eye and a tear in your heart. If you're not compassionate, it's not a joking matter. It's not just a light matter. I, as you come to this subject with me this morning, I urge you to put your heart into it. It's a real deal. I heard the story years ago of a, of a farmer in Pennsylvania who went out after the storm had passed and went down into his fields to see what kind of damage was in the fields and, and the railroad track ran alongside of his house and when he got down there he saw that there had been a, a stretch of the railroad track that was washed away or blown away or something and he knew that the train came by every afternoon and he it scared him because there was such damage he grabbed his lantern and went running up in the dark to try to stop the train before it got down to the track. Somewhere along the way he fell and dropped his lantern, broke his lantern in the dark and he picked up and continued to run down the track to come into the light of the train coming and he stayed on the track as long as he could, jumped off and threw that lantern and it hit the windshield of the right in front of the engineer and he shut the train down. He, all he had was a broken lantern but he shut the train down and hundreds were saved because he gave a warning. I was thinking about this. There's so many people that say something like this. I just don't believe God would send anybody to hell. If God's a God of love, how could he send anybody to hell? I want to get, I want to get the air cleared with you this morning. There's a real hell. Over in Isaiah chapter number 5, I'm going to read one verse. He, he is, Isaiah is using this verse as a caution to God's chosen people. Some of you were here a year or two ago when we preached through Isaiah and talked through Isaiah. This first half of Isaiah is the, is the judgment warnings of God to a rebellious, hard-hearted people. He says in verse 12, They regard not the word of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hand. He said, Therefore my people are gone into captivity. Look at 14. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself. What for? 
because my people are rebellious against me and consider not the work of God. Hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. I'm going to just, I, that verse, that verse says two things. It says hell's still hungry and hell's still hot. Is a real hell. A literal, actual, horrible hell. And somebody said, well, I just don't believe there's hell. Well, you will when you get there. Uh, I don't know what year the first time I ever took a ride in a car with a cruise control. I would say is in the mid-70s. My neighbor bought a, my neighbor worked for uh, a, a, a branch of Ford Motor Company. He drove new Fords every year. And he bought an LTD with cruise control, and he just wanted to take me down on the highway and show how it worked. And you just set the thing, and it worked. I was already familiar with somewhat. We, before the cruise control, they had those little button. You could set the button for the speed you wanted to run, and and if you got above that speed, it would uh, the alarm would go off. I had a had a preacher say one time it was a sin buzzer. When you got when you broke the law, the sin buzzer went off. It was a caution to keep you from driving too fast. Since that time, we've got all kinds of warning lights. It might be a, a, a low fuel light or a low fuel alarm. It might be a battery uh, warning if, if your battery's not up to voltage. Uh, or it might be a temperature light, or it might be an oil uh, pressure light. All those are d warnings to keep you from doing damage to your car. It might be a brake light. Some of us got those, I don't know what you call those brakes, but they don't, when you mash them, they don't, they don't seize, they'll, they'll go like this. I don't like them. But there's a warning on the dash that says something about the brake is not functioning. Those others you might get by with ignoring that low oil light or low gas light and all that happens is it's your sideline on the side of the road. But if that brake warning is ignored, it may cost you your life or someone else. None of those things make that car stop. They don't lock the car down and shut it down. We go, hey, we came, we came across, I, the, when I first moved to Fort Worth, there was people wearing t-shirts that said, I survived 199. They're talking about this highway out here. 
Well, for the last seven or eight years, we've survived the construction on 199, and it's still going on this morning. I was more conscious of it because I've been thinking about it. This morning we came in, and the, and the flashing lights are flashing, and the speed limit signs are reduced, and, and we come across that construction at the bridge, and, and all of those things are put there by the highway department to somehow increase the safety of the road and give us warnings. They won't shut you down. You can still drive through the construction area. We've been doing it for 10 years. You drive, it's always under construction, and, and, but the, the warnings are not there to keep you from driving it. The warnings are there to keep you from getting hurt or killed or having an accident that would wreck your family and you and do. They don't make you stop. They're put there to make you think. We're living our lives right now. We're in the race of life right now. I can think back to those days when I was heading for hell a hundred miles an hour. Hard as I could go, I was headed that way. Some of you can remember those days as well. But God, God put some things between us and hell, and I want to look at them with you this morning. I started not to read the, the verse on hell. I don't like to read about it. I don't like to talk about it. I've got a, I've got a message on just the reality of hell. Uh, there's a, it's a place of uh, no prayer, a place of no preaching, a place of no Bible, a place of no tears, a place of no God, a place of no light. It's a terrible place. I, and there's a lot to say about it. I'm not going, but I'm not going to preach that. I've already told you as much as I want to tell you about hell. Hell is very real. And without the Lord Jesus Christ, you're headed for hell with a hammer down. You are, you are going that way. Hey, you better, get, you better look at the warnings with me. What stands between us and hell? First of all, uh, we've been in, if you're still in your text verse there in Second Peter, Look over to Second Peter chapter number uh, 1, verse 19. He said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy is not just the written scripture, it's the preached scripture. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star. His name is Jesus. Arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The first thing stands between us and hell, the preaching of the Word of God, Holy Ghost-powered preaching 
of God's holy scriptures stand between us and hell. Just like the motor vehicle, uh, Department of Motor Vehicles put these signs up over here on this construction area at the bridge and set speed limits and put flashing lights and red lights just like that is done as a warning. Listen, God gave us this book. God gave us the preached Word of God. Amen. Hey, it won't stop you. You can ignore it and go right on down the road to hell. Or you can hear the warning. This verse said that God is long-suffering and He's going to, this, this, this uh, text of, of the Bible is going to give us a couple of things. It's going to reveal the plan of God. I'll just, I just go over here and give you a portion of the plan of God in Romans chapter number 10. Romans 10 verse 8 says this, What saith it? I urge you to look at these scriptures. The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. The word of faith which we preach. The only way you'll ever have faith is off the page of this book. The only way your faith will ever increase is off the page of this book. The only way you can ever stand uh, in this race called life is by faith off the page of this book. He said, The word is nigh thee, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That, that is the plan of God, a, a heart of faith, a mouth of confession, and an acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's out of order in verse 9, but look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Some of us got it out of order in our confession. We made a mouth confession with no heart of faith. It's dangerous to live with that. We, I mean, in the eyes of this world or in the eyes of men, it may work. But that's not the... God said, first of all, there's a heart of belief. Then there's a mouth of confession. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call on him. For whosoever... You ought to underline that verse. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall, not going to be, try to be, want to be, but shall be saved. Whosoever shall call out of a heart of belief with a mouth of confession, whosoever shall call will be saved. That's the promise of God. That's the plan of God for salvation. It's not, hey, that's not Methodist, Baptist, Catholic. It's just Bible. That's the Bible. The Bible said if you don't believe in your heart, if you don't confess with your mouth, and if you don't turn your whole heart to Jesus, you're not saved. 
That's about as simple as any plan that God could put in the book. But that's the plan of God. And you'll never get it any... Hey, you don't get it off of a TV show. You don't get it off of a little discussion panel. God chose the foolishness of preaching. It's preached word that brings that salvation message. You ought to get a hold of that and hang on to it. Uh, so, so here's, here's what he says in, in our text verse. I love this verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. You ought to underline this word in your Bible. But is long-suffering to usward. None of us are perfect, and none of us grabbed it the first time it came by. But somewhere God dealt with us in a... In his mercy and and long suffering uh, attitude, the attribute of God, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The plan of God. I would say that down through the ages people that read the Word of God were well warned of hell, wouldn't you? Uh, so if you go to, if you, if you ignore the Word of God and go to hell, you'll have to climb over every sermon, every gospel song, every prayer, every, you'll have to climb past the Word of God to get to hell. That's a, such a simple message. I can believe in my heart. I can confess with my mouth. And I can turn my whole allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ and be eternally saved. That's so simple. Here's what happened, though. We made some kind of a profession with our mouth, and now we want to live for ourselves and do for ourselves. Well, you, if you get there, if you go there, you'll remember every, every verse, every message. You'll remember every song. You'll remember those who witnessed to you. Secondly, not only does it give us the plan of God, it gives us the power of God. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, if you don't mind. We, we're getting a short course this morning of Bible understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> he says this. <clears throat> in verse number... Uh, let me... While you there, I'm going to back up and I'm going to read two verses in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul said, <clears throat> I'm not ashamed... For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, verse 16. <clears throat> For it is the power of God to salvation. See, not only, does he re not only does this Bible reveal the plan of God, but it reveals the power of God. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't know how much you can quote. I don't know 
uh, how black your book is or how King James it is or anything else, yeah, that won't get you there. It'll take the power of God for you to be saved. It took, it'll take everything in the threefold power of God. God the Father who, who spoke it, God the Son who did it, and God the Holy Spirit who, is, who brings it to you. It'll take every part of the Trinity to get you saved. You're going to have to... Hey, <clears throat> I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It's, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now over First Corinthians chapter number 1. Paul said in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us that are saved. It's the, it, I've got this underlined in my Bible. The power of God. Verse 21, for after in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. What's, the, what's he talking about? He's talking about creation and, and uh, the giving of life to humans. And by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, every, every imagination of man was only evil continually. I mean, Four or five generations into this world, that was the st that was the attitude of man toward the Creator who spoke it into existence. After the that the wisdom of the world, the wisdom by not after that in the wisdom of God, the wisdom, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, verse 23. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, verse 24. But under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. First time I ever saw that, ever, first time I was studying in my study and, and God showed me that verse. I may have read it a hundred times, but that day God showed me, hey, in my hand, I hold the power of God. In my hand, I have the wisdom of God. I mean, the wise men of this world have, for centuries have searched and looked for wisdom. They still don't have it. I mean, they can tell you, they can tell you, they can say uh, COVID-19, but they can't tell you how it came to be or where you're going when you get it. Or, hey, I've got the wisdom of God. And I've got the power of God through the giving of His Word. How are you going to escape hell? The power of God. I'm hanging on you know, I remember a day when I was struggling with my salvation. Finally, I, I said, 
this may be heresy to some of you, but I, it, was, it was a heartbeat to me the day I said it. Lord, I believe on you with all my heart. I've confessed you before others, and I don't know what else to do to be saved, so I'm just going to throw myself on you. And if, I, if I'm not saved, it'll be your fault, not mine. That may have been heresy, but it settled it in my heart. I got it. I have confessed him with my mouth, and my heart is settled that what I have given to him, he's able to keep against this day of damnation and condemnation to hell. I like the way I thought about it this week. It releases this book. You read that. You read that those verses one eighteen through twenty four again. This book's laying on your shelf. It just looks like a pile of paper, doesn't it? I was I was reading the beams thing this morning, and the fellow said he went down there and in uh, Mexico, down in South Mexico, and he said a fellow come in with a piece of a Bible, about a few pages of a Bible. He was a preacher. And he said, is that your Bible? He said, no, it's just a piece of my Bible. He said, my, nobody in my church had a Bible, and I just pulled out and gave, gave everybody a piece, and we trade them every once in a while. And that Beams man said, I found 18 cases of Bibles to send down there with him. And they've got Bibles in their church now. You've probably got more Bibles on your shelf than a lot of churches around the world have in between them all. But laying on your shelf is just an old dusty book. It's when you pick it up and, and allow God to put it in your heart. When you begin to search the scriptures, when you begin to uh, look for truths out of the word of God, that's when this book becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. And you, you can go to every university in the United States and when you come out of there, be dumber than a rock without the power of God and without the wisdom of God. I can show you some folks. I can, I can remember my granddad who could not read or write, but he had the power of God and the wisdom of God. He could call heaven down when he prayed. When, when he witnessed folks got saved, he had the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hey, God will give it to you if you just accept it. If you just search for it. You can ha but if you go to hell, you're going to have to crawl over every verse that we've went through this morning. Somewhere in hell, you'll give an account to God for what you heard here today. I don't want any doubt about what's been preached. I want it to be the truth 
Hey, this is not Baptist doctrine. This is not independent Baptist doctrine. This is Bible doctrine. It's God's doctrine. And you can argue about some of those pages, but you can't argue about this page. There's just one way to be saved, and that's God's plan and God's power. You leave that out, friend. I don't care where your membership is, and I don't care what kind of tithes you pay. You leave that out, you've left out uh, salvation, and you'll wind up in that place called hell. You read Matthew chapter 7 sometime, and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we say this, that, and the other? Didn't we call on your name? And he said, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. It's not religion. It's Jesus Christ and the, and the shed blood of the cross. So, uh, so I want to say this book stands between you and hell. You leave it out of your life, you're headed for hell. You're, you're on your way. Or you can open it up and, and find the plan of God, the power of God, and the ability to, hey, I was running for hell with all I was worth. But the Bible tripped me and made me fall down and take a look at Jesus. And uh, that's the best description I can give you. Let me wave this thing again. This is just a big old signboard saying, don't, don't let the devil take you to hell. It's just, hey, I can't make you get saved. But I sure do want you to be saved, and this Bible will tell you how to get saved. Two, number two. Not only the, let's go over to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Not only does the, the Bible stand between you and hell, but I want to say the prayers of God's saints. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 1 says, I exhort therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks, that's the four divisions of prayer, be made, listen to this church, be made for all men. Uh, and he lists them, lists a bunch of the men. Then he says down in verse 4, verse 3 said, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I... She sung that song said, that name, that blessed name of Jesus, that sweet holy name of Jesus, that blood-stained name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Right. Whereunto I'm ordained a preacher, an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He's not calling for a, a, 
what he's calling for is you and me as children of God to take our stand and be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, get ourselves cleaned up. First of all, get on our knees. Get humble before God. First of all, then take him to this lost world and pray. Could I say they took prayer out of the schools? They took prayer off the off the courthouse steps, and that's been 40 years ago, and opened the door, and the devil is rampant in America today. You say, oh, they had a lot of sin for that. There was no open homosexuality in America before that. The abortion was not even a fact before that. I mean, there were secret abortions, I know that, but you understand what I'm saying? We live in the open sewer pit of sin in our day. That wasn't so. When I came to America, that wasn't so. There were sinners, but there was a sanctity about the Word of God, the house of God, and the people of God. Don't let the devil take away from you what God's given you. He said, he said pray for others. Hey, we start every Sunday morning at the men praying back here. This week, the ladies had their Christmas party, but they also had a prayer time. If you go to hell, you get this now. You go to hell, you're going you're gonna to have to crawl over the prayers of this people who pray for you, the prayers of the saints. Boy, I thank God for the people that prayed for me. Some of them couldn't read or write. Some of them were pretty ignorant and pretty small in the size of, of the world. But I thank God for every saint who prayed for me till I got saved. I mean, I've got, and I thank God for the saint. I'm now in my 40-something year as, as a preacher. It would be nothing without the prayers of the people. Nothing would have been accomplished. We ought to keep ourselves cleaned up so we can pray and get prayers heard. That's what he said. He said, he said, this is, the, this is what I will. You lift up holy hands. Not over there. When you hold your hands up, you're, asking, you're saying, God, inspect me. That's what you're saying. Might make you a little bit nervous about lifting your hand up sometimes. But what he's saying is, holy hands. It begins in your heart. It's in your life. Your testimony before others. The prayers of the saints. I got to go on. If you had a praying mama, or a praying preacher, or a praying teacher, you're going to have to get past their prayers to get to hell. And then I want to move to this next one the pleading of the Holy Spirit. 
I had a note here somewhere. I don't know where I put it. But somewhere back here, somebody said, don't, don't, don't be preaching hell to me. I, I made myself a note there somewhere. In the New Testament, if I looked at it correctly, there's 24 different mentions of hell. 20 times out of the 24, it was Jesus Christ who was preaching on hell. Jesus was a hellfire brimstone preacher. He did more preaching in the New Testament on hell than any other preacher in the New Testament. It kind of irritates me for people to weaken him down. I know he's a loving, hey, he loved me when I was unlovable. He saved me when I was, I should have been thrown into hell. But he saved me. He's a long-suffering Savior. The pleading of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16. I, I have already preached some on this, but I want to give you some text verses. 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. If I depart, I'll send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Uh, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, and whatsoever he saith, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he'll show you things. He shall glorify me, he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you all things that the Father hath in mind. Therefore I said, he shall take of mine and show it you. Down in uh, chapter uh, uh, 20, well, 2217 of the, of the Bible, the last invitation of the Bible says this, the Spirit the Holy Spirit says come. And the bride, the church, says come. That should be the condition of the coming of the Lord. And let him that's a thirst come and drink of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come. If you've got a, if you've got a Calvinist thought in your head, you ought to take it to that verse and bury it. God didn't say some of you can come and some can't. He's the last at this long-suffering God who has, who has cast his invitation before swine said the last invitation the Holy Spirit's crying for you to come and the church's invitation is for you to come. And I'm saying, whosoever will, let him come. Uh, I got to uh, <clears throat> see, 
John 6, 44 says this. You can tell this, you can tell that crowd is saying, all you got to do is invite him in your heart. Tell them this here, this verse, these verses. Verse 44 says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. <sighs> 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be that they shall and they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Down in verse number uh, thirty-seven. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I came down from heaven uh, to do the will of him that sent me. Verse 40, this, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up in the last day. All I'm saying is, the, the 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 pleading of the Holy there's got to be conviction and and drawing of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that some man can dream up for you. It's God's Holy Spirit that must work in your heart. And if you are saved, He's not through working on you. There's something wrong with a salvation testimony that says, I don't like to go to church. There's something wrong that says I'm going to live. I'm saved, but I'm going to live my life now, and then one of these days I'll go to heaven, and then it'll be Jesus' time. That's wrong. The, ever, all those verses in John chapter 6 says, the Father's planted something in your heart. The Father is drawing you in your heart. And, it, and if he draws you, you will come to me. When you come to me, I'll give you everlasting life. And that's the reason Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5:17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. There's a, there's a drawing, working of the Holy Spirit that's got to be there. I can't finish my message. My time's up. I'll finish it tonight for those that are here. I think the best points are yet ahead of us. But here's what I want to say to you. I've given you enough scripture to, for the whole world to be saved this morning. You can't say that you do not know how to be saved. You, you've heard the Bible truth on exactly how to be saved. I've waved my arms and shouted and done everything I can think of to throw the lantern in your face this morning. I don't want you to go out of here with a Baptist church membership. I want you to go out of here with a heart felt, Holy Ghost drawn, Christ bought a new, new creation of God in you. That's who I want you to be. I want you to be very clear that I have done what that word says. I have done what the Holy Spirit's drawn me to do. I have, and I am saved forever because I got the promise of God on it.
Can you do that? Somebody said, well, I'm about, here's what they say. They say 70% of the United States believes there's a real hell. But only 4% of all of those 70% believe they're going there. You better get a hold of this. There's just one way to escape hell. And if you have not been saved his way, you're on the road. It's like driving down the freeway. You know, you drive down the freeway and uh, some of these GPSs, they'll tell you what exit to take. I like old Google because that little girl will say, take, go down there to the next stop sign and then take exit so-and-so. Old Bill Allen, preacher down in Louisiana, said you're going down this road, a wide road that leads to destruction. That's what Matthew said. Many going down this road. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians. There's all kinds of church folks in the road. Over on the side, there's an exit. It's in the shape of a cross. Just a little wooden door. And it says, whosoever will may come. You can take that exit, receive Jesus as your only Savior. I mean, you've heard the gospel, you've read the Bible, you know the plan of God. Now, the idea is you've got to have the power of God, and that'll take a heart knowledge and a mouth confession and a complete sellout, he's my only Savior. You've got to take the Jesus exit at the little wooden door. When you get on the other side of it, you can look back and say, I'm saved forever. I couldn't get unsaved if I wanted to. I mean, I'm completely and totally saved for all eternity. You just keep going down the freeway. Somewhere down there, he's going to say, depart from me, ye that wicked nicked me. Somewhere down there, they'll, he'll say, cast them into that lake of fire. You want to go to hell? Just stay on the road. Do what you're doing. John chapter 3 says you're already under the wrath of God. You want to go to heaven? You need to make a sharp right and do a detour right now. Repent of your sin and turn your heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be saved. We're standing. The invitation is open. The song leader and pianist will be here in a minute. I want to pray for you, and then, and you can come anytime. You can come right now. If I was you and I was headed for hell, I'd be running toward that altar right now. Father, I just ask you to have your way this morning. Lord, we play so loose and casual with you. I pray, God, you'd help us to get earnest with you and realize that you're in the place. You've seen our reaction. You know what we're doing with your gospel. Lord, I pray, God, that every heart would be turned toward you right now. Help us, Lord, to give you ourselves according to your plan. 
that we may receive the power of Christ unto salvation. Lord, we want to come to you humbly, but we want to come. Please have your way right now. Take charge of us and do in us and with us as you see fit. Thank you for being long-suffering, Lord. Thank you for giving us another opportunity. Thank you for just giving us the Bible. Lord, for the truth of the Word of God, for the faithful witness of those that's gone on before us. Lord, I pray that you'd take charge right now. Help us, Lord, to get earnest about it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Consider where you're at this morning. Page 146 in your hymn book. Page 146, Angels from the Realms of Glory. <coughs> See in the first verse. Amen. 